the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Maybe there's some sin in my life, or maybe there's some unconfessed sin that is causing this, or maybe I've done something wrong and God is withholding from me. And certainly if there's some unconfessed sin, of course you should confess that and repent of it. But sometimes that's not the reason. Sometimes things just don't go the way we expect them to go. And it's not because there's sin in your life, or it's not because you're in rebellion against God, or in disobedience, or anything like that. It's just things aren't going the way you thought they would go. We want to make sense of the troubles we have in life, don't we? We think, things aren't going my way. I must have done something wrong. It's possible you are experiencing a natural consequence of your sin, but often that's not the case. In his message today, Pastor Dan will teach you that Moses had the same inclination to think he had done something wrong when Israel wasn't being freed by Pharaoh, but that wasn't true. Don't make a mistake of over-spiritualizing what happens to you in life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Galatians chapter 5 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a definite promise. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not be controlled by the desires of your flesh. Galatians 5, 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in the life of a believer. God redeems us by the blood of Jesus Christ. He makes us his children, and then he brings us into a new life, life in the Spirit, a life of fruitfulness, abundance, and victory. And then he says, and I will give it to you as a heritage or as an inheritance, God says, I will not only bring you into the promised land, but it will be a heritage for your children to enjoy also. Our children can also experience and enjoy the same life in Christ that we experience and that we enjoy. And so you have these seven I wills of redemption that point to the redemption we have In Jesus Christ. And again, it's a picture of God's grace. There's not a single if you will mentioned. No, I will if you will. The gospel is about what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and not what we have done for him. 
If in explaining your salvation, you begin with I, you got it wrong. He, he did it all. The only thing that we contribute is our need for salvation. Our helplessness. Everything else is God. So that brings us to verse 9. And so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. You know, sometimes a person can be so overwhelmed and so discouraged with anguish because of their circumstances that they don't receive the word of God. This is why the body of Christ is so key. Because the body of Christ can come around that person, that brother or sister in Christ, who has anguish of spirit, and encourage them and strengthen them and walk alongside them and pray for them as they walk through this difficult season. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 commands us to bear one another's burdens. And please note also that God still did what he said he would do. He still delivered Israel from their bondage and brought them into the promised land, even though the people didn't believe his word and were discouraged. Now, positive confession people say, you got to believe it. You got to confess it. You got to claim it, right? Blab it and grab it. They don't even believe it. And God still did it. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. So no longer just asking for three days to go in the wilderness and then they'd come back. Let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Moses is also discouraged. And Moses says, hey, the children of Israel will not listen to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? And then he says, I'm of uncircumcised lips. Now, if you remember back in chapter 4, when the Lord first called Moses from the burning bush, remember that? Moses objected, saying, I'm slow of speech. And when he said, I'm slow of speech, he meant, I'm not a very good speaker. You know, find someone else, a better communicator than me. But now he says, I'm of uncircumcised lips. This is different from I'm slow of speech. Now Moses is saying, there must be something wrong with me. Or there must be some kind of sin in me. There must be something in me that uh, hasn't been cut away or hasn't been removed that should be, that is making me ineffective in this calling. That the children of Israel, they're not listening to me. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. And so there must be something wrong with me. And sometimes, I point that out because sometimes when we experience setbacks or things go away, we don't expect them to go, we think, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's some sin in my life, or maybe there's some unconfessed sin that is causing this, or maybe I've done something wrong and God is withholding from me. And certainly if there's some unconfessed sin, of course you should confess that and repent of it. But sometimes that's not the reason. Sometimes things just don't go the way we expect them to go. 
And it's not because there's sin in your life or it's not because you're in rebellion against God or in disobedience or anything like that. It's just things aren't going the way you thought they would go. But Moses here, he goes to, well, there must be something in my life that is causing me not to succeed in this calling. And I've got uncircumcised lips, I guess. That's not always the reason. That's what he says to God. So look at verse 13. Look at the Lord's response in verse 13. It says, the Lord comforted Moses and helped him work through his self-doubt. Is that what it says? No. God totally ignored Moses' self-doubt and his pity party. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Moses, this is what I want you to say to the children of Israel, and this is what I want you to say to Pharaoh. But didn't you hear what I just said about my uncircumcised lips? Moses, this is what I want you to say. Sometimes we need kind of that tough love from the Lord, don't we? You know, I love, Paul writes in the New Testament where he says, I've loved you like a mother loves her nursing child. And in the same letter, he says, uh, I've loved you like a father. Right? And sometimes we need, you know, the tenderness, but sometimes we need kind of the firmness and the sternness, you know, of like a father. And so now that brings us to verse 14. And uh, verses 14 to 27 were given a genealogy. I know how much you guys love genealogies. And you come to verse 14 now, you hit this genealogy, and you kind of think, why did God drop a genealogy right in the middle of this chapter? It seems out of place. Well, the genealogy is here to show the credentials of Moses and Aaron, or the qualifications of Moses and Aaron. What qualifies Moses and Aaron to speak to Pharaoh on behalf of Israel and to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. And so this genealogy is kind of like the resume of Moses and Aaron. Uh, Today in our culture, right, we would prove our qualifications by maybe our education background and our experience where we went to college, what degrees we earned, what professional experience do we have. Well, with something as significant as this, speaking to Pharaoh, the most powerful leader in the world, and leading the nation of Israel, some two to three million people at this point, uh, we would want someone with high caliber qualifications. You know, like an Ivy League degree, a history of professional experience that shows they can handle such a huge responsibility? Well, that's why this genealogy is given. In verse 14, we have the sons of Reuben, and we're not going to read through all these names here. Some of you are saying, yes. But in verse 14, you have the genealogy of Reuben. Reuben was the oldest son of Jacob. And in that culture, the oldest son in a family would take the leadership role in the family. So, of course, he begins with Reuben. But Moses and Aaron are not descendants of Reuben. (laughs) 
They're not descendants of the oldest son, which would be the obvious choice. You pick the oldest son, right, of one of his descendants. Moses is not from Reuben. In verse 15, we have the genealogy of Simeon, the second oldest son of Jacob. Moses and Aaron were not descendants of the second son. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Moses and Aaron were descendants of the third son, Levi. Look at verse 16. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, Merari, and the years of the life of Levi were 137. The sons of Gershon were Libni and Shimi, according to their families. And the sons of Kohath, the Kohathites, were Amram, that's an important name for us, Ishar, Hebron, or Hebron, and Uziel. And the years of the life of Kohath were 133. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. I love those two names. If you have twins, Mali and Mushi. These are the families of Levi according to their generation. Verse 20. That's what I want to draw your attention to here. Verse 20. Now Amram took for himself Jacobed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron. And Moses, and the years of the life of Amram were 137. So Amram and Jochebed were the parents of Moses and Aaron. So you know what the genealogy of Moses and Aaron shows us? It shows us there's nothing that qualifies Moses and Aaron to lead the nation. They're not the son of the firstborn, Reuben, not the son of the secondborn, the son of the thirdborn. They don't descend from a long line of leaders or statesmen or military heroes. They actually descend from Hebrew slaves. Amram and Jochebed. Their genealogy is another testimony to the grace of God. God likes to use regular people. God likes to use nobodies without any special qualifications and talents. Aren't you glad for that? The redemption of Israel is all by God's grace. God is the only factor in this whole story. The people were utterly helpless in their bondage. Moses was woefully underqualified to lead these people. It's all the grace of God. By the way, looking back at verse 20, Jochebed is the first person in the Bible whose name is derived from the name Yahweh. Her name means Yahweh is glory. 
It says in verse 20, Jochebed was the sister of Amram's father. That makes her Amram's aunt. So Amram married his aunt. And marrying a close relative was not uncommon at that point. It was not forbidden by the law of Moses yet because there's no law of Moses yet. Look down at verse 23. We have Aaron here. Aaron took to himself Elisheba, daughter of Aminadab, sister of Nashon, as wife, and she bore him, note this, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. We're going to see the sons of Aaron later in the story in the books of Moses. They're going to play a significant role. They're mentioned here for the first time. Verse 24, you have the sons of Korah mentioned. Korah will lead a rebellion against Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 26. The sons of Korah will become singers, a choir in the tabernacle and later in the temple, and they will write some of the Psalms. Some of the Psalms are attributed to the sons of Korah. Verse 25, you have Eliezer, Aaron's son, took for him one of the daughters of Putiel as wife, and she bore him Phineas. Phineas is mentioned here. Uh, Phineas, by the way, is an Egyptian name. It's not a Hebrew name. And Phineas will play an important role in the book of Numbers. He stops the sin in the camp of Israel. He's very zealous for the Lord. He's very zealous for holiness and purity in the camp. And he is the one who deals with the sin in the camp. Now look at verse 26, okay? Look what it says. These are the same Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies or according to their troops. When the children of Israel go out from Egypt, they will not go out in like just disorderly chaos, like refugees fleeing for their lives from a country. They will go out as an army. They will go out as troops. They will go out in an orderly fashion, showing that this is the Lord delivering them. They're not escaping. They're being delivered. And God does things decently and in order. And look at verse 27. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. You know what verse 27 is saying? These are the ones. These are the guys God used. No Ivy League education, no advanced degrees, no experience in world politics or diplomacy or leadership. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. These are the ones who led Israel out of Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron You've got the right LinkedIn page. These are the guys. They just don't look like they're the guys. These are the guys (laughs) that God used to redeem his people from slavery. And so it came to pass, verse 28, on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I have said to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I'm of uncircumcised lips. And how shall Pharaoh 
heed me. This is the seventh time Moses protests. But God doesn't give up on Moses, just like he doesn't give up on us. When we doubt, when we question, when we protest, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. Calling of God is irrevocable. And then chapter 7, verse 1, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You know, what you say to Pharaoh will come to pass. You will bring judgment on Pharaoh, and so you will be like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be your prophet. A prophet speaks for God to the people. A prophet is different from A priest. A priest speaks for the people to God. A prophet speaks for God to the people. Aaron will be a prophet speaking for God to Pharaoh. Verse 2. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders In the land of Egypt, as I mentioned in a previous study in the book of Exodus, 10 times we read that Pharaoh hardened his own heart toward God. And 10 times we read God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And when it speaks of God hardening Pharaoh's heart, it means God made firm what was already in Pharaoh's heart. Please understand this. Because sometimes people see that and they think, well, that's unfair. That God would harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, listen, it's not like Pharaoh was open to God or seeking God or desired to obey God or that Pharaoh was loving and kind to the people of God and was willing to let the Israelites go, but then God hardened Pharaoh's heart and changed his mind against his will. That would be unfair. But that's not what happened. God simply made firm what was already in Pharaoh's heart. He doesn't change Pharaoh's heart. He makes firm Pharaoh's own decision. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Verse 4, but Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments and the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Remember, who is Yahweh that I should obey him? I don't know Yahweh. The Egyptians shall know that I am am Yahweh. And there in verse 5, the word know, they shall know that I am the Lord. It's the Hebrew word means to know by experience. The Egyptians will know who I am by experiencing my judgments. Verse 5 again, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them. And so they did. And Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron was 83 years old. when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now most people in their 80s spend their time enjoying their senior discount at IHOP. But not Moses and Aaron. 
Moses and Aaron were still engaged in serving the Lord even in their 80s. And I hope that I'm able to still serve the Lord when I'm a very old man. He asked me how I know, and I say, Bring truer than the finest crystal. Ring of Truth just brought you another great verse by verse teaching with Pastor Dan Sexton. Aren't you glad you stuck around to listen? We trust today's words touched your life in a very real and personal way. Pastor Dan has been staying in the book of Exodus with its stories of redemption and so much more. You don't want to miss a single episode. And if by chance you already have, just go to calvaryec.com to catch up. While you're there, check out our app to get other messages. Follow us on Facebook and iTunes, too. If you don't know that much about us or what we believe, make sure to visit the About tab. It will fill you in on what we're all about here. Are you in the Maryland area? Come visit us either Sunday morning or Thursday evening. Times can be found at calvaryec.com, so make sure to go there now. Meeting you face-to-face would be such a privilege. Our time with you has come to an end today, and so for now we say goodbye. But before we go, would you give us a call at 410-491-4592 and let us know how this program spoke to you today? Again, that's 410-491-4592. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. Thank you from Columbia, Maryland, for listening to Ring of Truth. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.